Welcome to episode nine of Own Goal Podcast. Today is July 15th, 2018, and France are the champions of the world for the second time. Viva la revolution! Also, uh, the E-Gates 84 curse is alive and well, so that's, that's definitely a, a relief to know. In this episode, we will recap the final, talk about the individual world awards, and what's next for international soccer. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an odd goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his calf. Got no chance really, the keeper. Astonishing position to get the ball. Like Eric said, France are the world champions. They beat Croatia 4-2 today. Uh, we finally got a, a World Cup final that wasn't like a one-goal game, which was kind of nice. Uh, and man, this game had everything. You had a VAR penalty, which we called last episode. You had an own goal, so shout out to us for scoring the World Cup final. And uh, you had pitch invaders, who I don't know if they're alive or dead. S- send your thoughts and prayers if you want to uh, contribute to a campaign. To find out for their safety, please Venmo at Donnie Maz. And uh, but anyway, let's get back to the game. Yeah, I mean, you said it. This game had everything. We were really on the nose on a lot of things. Uh, we'll touch on the awards a little bit later, but I can't believe the blatant disrespect we've been given. Or and, and I mean, twelve goals this World Cup for us own goal. I think, like, the record for most goals in every World Cup ever by a single player is, like, 15, and we're, we got 12 in our first season. So, keep, keep that, that player to watch in four years. That's all I'm saying. So, I just want to kind of start off by saying hell of a job by Croatia. Definitely played well. Uh, ended up almost being on, on the verge of a shit pumping, but I thought they, they competed. They created chances. Just the more talented team won this game. Yeah, I think they. Uh, every single Croatian should hold his head up high. I think they did their country. So every single proud. Croatian, you think? Huh? You, you think every single Croatian can hold their head up high? I thought there was one that. I mean, Mario Mandzukic is a piece of shit, but he's he, what? I mean, listen, these things have a way of balancing themselves out. And what happened? The very first goal of the game is a Mario Mandzukic own goal, and I mean. At my point, he got his just desserts. Like He probably feels like the biggest piece of shit in the world knowing that he scored an own goal in the World Cup final. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. I got, he, my, uh, I, got my, I got my judges. Do you think he kind of thinks his account is balanced seeing as he scored a goal for in the World Cup final? I think that goal is actually should be credited against Hugo Lloris <laughs> for just deciding to get high in the middle of a game. I know the fans can do it in the stadiums in Russia. I didn't know the players were doing it. So would you agree? I, I kind of think that shouldn't have counted as a goal for France for for Croatia. I think it should should have just been a negative goal against France. Like they should have just docked them one goal. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if you if you're not clear, we're talking about the the goal where Hugo Lloris decides to pass the ball right to Mandzukic, who was like less than a foot away from him. Well, it really, it's like literally the ball hit off a of and just put into the goal. <laughs> it was, it was fascinating to watch. Uh, I thought, you know, first half was, was very close, you know, competitive contest. Uh, it was a very open game that uh, we got definitive proof that Donnie is the uh, overlord of VAR, seeing as France, his team, to, his pick to win the World Cup benefited from the first VAR goal of the tournament and the last VAR goal of the tur- VAR penalty of the tournament? I mean, listen, I am very anti-VAR. I stand by that. I still am. I think it's worthless. But I don't think France won this game because of VAR. I think France won this game because they were a younger, more athletic, more talented team. And the VAR was just a nice like a, it was like a stimulus package that you signed into action. I did. If I had any control over VAR, don't you think England would have gotten way more VAR goals? England didn't get a single penalty or anything. No, Donnie, because I, I think 
above all else, even even as invested you were in England, you'd rather be right. So you can lord it over me who picked Germany to win the World Cup. <laughs> to be, it, it was kind of boring overall watching the tournament when you knew that the result was inevitable. But that being said, if England and France had played head-to-head, I would have wanted England to win. No doubt. Uh, yeah, so back, back, back to the game. A uh, lot of lot of interesting things kind of going on there. Like we said, own goal cemented their their stranglehold on the uh, golden boot. Shout out to uh, second place Harry Kane. What I thought was absolutely mind blowing, and I think you maybe have a, a different view on it, was that sixty minute substitution when Blaise Matuidi had been getting owned all game. Deschamps comes in and subs out N'Golo Conte for Nzonzi. Yeah, I actually uh, thought that was the right move. I think he got it spot on, and I think it was vindicated when the fact that the goals flowed after that move. I think that the two reasons, right? One, Conte was significantly less effective and not himself when he got the yellow card because he couldn't be as aggressive. You could see him hesitating. You could see him not going into challenges as hard, and you could see, a like optically, you could see a visual difference in his game. Second reason he felt comfortable doing it because it was a bold call is because Deschamps trusted Pogba. I don't know if you noticed, but in the second half, take, even if you take away Pogba's goal, look at the leadership she, he showed. Getting guys to come back, getting guys to defend, pointing out markers, being there to defend, winning the balls. In the entire tournament, the only person who had more uh, dispossessions than Conte was Pogba. I think he was showing a lot of trust in Pogba's ability, coupled with the fact that Conte was not playing his best game and, you know, couldn't give you a hard yellow card challenge. I mean, this may be kind of like thinking of, you know, kind of cynical, but Nzanzi gets can have one really hard tackle to disrupt a player, do something. You know what I mean? There's an advantage to being able to earn a yellow card, if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Uh, I just, I think, I mean, it doesn't matter. Clearly, maybe it was the right call to make. I think with Conte on and Nzanzi not coming on, the results still end up how they were, and France still wins that game. So it ended up being a moot point. I just thought making that sub, you're risking a lot more by having arguably your the guy who may have been your best player this whole tournament. Obviously, this game, Paul Pogba made an argument that maybe he's been their best player. Uh, I thought, you know, really, really, really interesting game. A lot of a lot of good performances from you know key players. Mbappe had another fantastic performance. I mean, just watching them, you know, get the ball within their own third and just whip it out to the wing, and, and Mbappe just flies out of nowhere and instantly. You don't know he's going to either get a corner kick, uh, an attempt on goal, or a free kick. Yeah, I think he had a great game. I think Griezmann has had a great game. Just a good tournament overall putting in balls, always involved in dangerous play. On the other side of things, I thought Perisic had another amazing game. And I think after Modric, there's an argument that Perisic was the second best Croatian player at this tournament. Yeah, I think I think Perisic was their best player in the semifinal. And I think Perisic was their second best player this game. Uh, I, I think these were the two best games I've ever seen him play, which I think says something when you play your best games in the most important moments of your career. Absolutely. I really wish he didn't play for Inter Milan because I actually like the guy as a player. But now I get to, for the next two years until the Euros, root against him with every fiber of my being. So maybe <laughs> if, if Man U wants to pull the trigger on those rumors and buy another attacking player. I know they've been linked to Parasite for like the last four years. No, thank you. I'd, ra- I'd rather drop like a quarter of a billion dollars and buy Mbappe and call it a day. Um... I thought, you know, a lot of people seem to make a lot that France didn't possess the ball in Croatia, you know, had the 61%, 39% edge in possession, pretty close to the 60-40 we saw from France in the Belgium game. But yeah. that's how France likes to play. Like, I think people need to accept, like, France is a better team when they can counter. They don't like, they struggle the most when they have, like, 65% of the ball. They love to counterattack you. So listen here, kids. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a little bit of knowledge. The world does not play by the Pep Guardiola rules. Possession does not equal victory. Just because you've possessed or had more passes than the other team does not mean you deserve to be a better team. Uh, And I'm not saying 
Croatia or even Belgium were just holding on possession. They no, were, definitely they, not. They definitely were creating not. chances. Uh, Belgium was a little bit sour in their defeat, saying that France didn't actually play real soccer. You didn't hear anything like that from Croatia. They they knew that they had their possession based game plan where they were going to whip balls you know in from out wide and and try to create chances and get, and make goals. But they also knew that France's goal was to bring Croatia out of their shell and then hit them on the counter. And it was just two strategies, France being as athletic as they are, but also as clinical as they are, being able to capitalize on a couple of chances, know that that's how they want to play. And that is a beautiful style of soccer when done correctly. Then you throw in the fact that France has some beautiful men playing that beautiful style of soccer. I have no problems with it. Yeah, I I think, I will say, I think it's, I don't think France ever played to their full potential in a single game this tournament, I think they always played well enough to beat the opposition in front of them. I actually have a, a thought on that. I'm curious what you think about it. We, we're, we're pretty critical of Olivier Giroud outside of his aesthetic uh, appearances. Yeah, he's a hot dude, no doubt about that, but not not probably the best striker. I think France is not is, will never be able to actualize their fullest potential with him in the starting lineup. But I think that they this is the safest, maybe the safest way for them to play because he does have good hold up ability. He he, if you what you want to do is get the ball near mid midfield and blast it out to Griezmann or Mbappe on the wing. He is good at that part. Just if you want him to score a sitter in the box, you're you're going to be a little disappointed. So I think the shop. I think the shop knew that it'd be it's harder. To operate at one hundred percent with some, you know, maybe like maybe Dembele or Fakir or Lamar, because there's a little more connection and interweaving and fluid movement required. Whereas with Giroud, it's oh, we've got a centerpiece who can win headers and help get the ball out to our playmakers. So you kind of lose a little bit of that, that you know dynamic ability with some mm-hmm. some like bankable. We're going to get this out of him. Just don't ask him to score. I actually think I think that's a really good take, and I think that's pro- like a symptom of France's bigger problem. And I think it, I, something I think we haven't mentioned is also France is not the World Cup champions, joint World Cup champions with the United States, who tied them one one before the tournament started. So joint champions. Well, but. and like the entire continent of Africa, who's like like where like half the starting eleven was born for, uh, for yeah. France. So it's actually, hey, America, it's actually- this is what happens when you have an open immigration policy. suppose that was said on the podcast um i think it's the Giroud thing you're talking about and you know what he brings to it is symptomatic of a greater issue in that france do not know how to play when they have the majority of possession they play their best when they can just counterattack and slam you on the counterattack i think they need to learn how to to get to their full potential to get to that next level they need to learn how to be creative and do all this stuff with the ball does that make sense I, I, yeah, I think that, that that definitely makes sense in this kind of. I and I, I actually think the perfect striker that gives them the best of both worlds would be Kareem Benzema, who will never be called up as long as Didier Deschamps is charging. <laughs> Benzema can do all the hold up things Giroud can do, and then some. He's better technically on the ball. He's a better goal scorer than Giroud. I mean, there's a reason why Real Madrid don't replace the guy after three consecutive Champions League wins. Yeah, uh, and I think you're completely right, and and we're kind of hitting on the same idea at least. You know. Yeah. Uh, so my, I have two questions. One, who do you think is, is more upset? Uh, Anthony Martial or Kareem Benzema? Anthony Martial. Kareem Benzema never had a chance to come to this World Cup. And he knew that. Anthony Martial did have a chance, didn't get the regular playing time, and had to watch a striker who didn't score a single goal play what it presumably could have been his spot. Or he at least could have like competed for one of those bench spots that didn't get used by like Dembele, Lamar, those guys. Yeah, I think Martial probably not happy with Jose Mourinho right now in this moment. And I mean, obviously those are his friends and his buddies, and I'm sure at one level he's happy, but I mean he's also a human being who at another level is thinking about himself, which is okay, it's natural. And, and that's why I think Benzema's more upset because when you blackmail a teammate in the past for like you know with, with like sex videos. 
you maybe don't experience the same level of normal human emotions. So I could see him just being being a little butthurt. Well, well, to be fair, Valbuena kind of deserved to be blackmailed. Like, does anyone really like Valbuena? Like, it's not like anyone stopped being Kareem Benzema's friend over it, which makes me think Valbuena wasn't that popular in the dressing room to begin with. <laughs> uh, question for you. Should France fire Deschamps and hire Zidane? I thought you had a question for me. That, 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 it's not a question if the answer is obvious. And the answer is yes. You fire the, the reigning World Cup coach <laughs> to bring in Zidane, who will bring in Benzema for Euro 20. Oh, yeah. He loves it. They're both Algerian French guys. They fucking are like, they're both ball too. There's a club. All the ball people in the world are in the same club. Either that or Benzema has blackmail uh, tape on Zidane, so he can be like, hey, if you don't call me up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I thought it was a really fun, exciting game. Uh, I thought Paul Pogba, you touched up on it. I know Griezmann was the official man of the match winner, but for me it was Paul Pogba personally. Griezmann was fantastic with, uh, you know, his service in from set pieces all tournament. He yep. was he was he caused problems here and there. I just don't think the way France is set up moving you know up top actually gets the maximum util- utilization out of Griezmann. He's, uh, yeah, I he's, totally agree. He's so much better than what we saw in this World Cup, and what we saw in this World Cup was really impressive. I agree. I think there's a reason why he picked up two awards at this World Cup after at Euro 2016 being the best player and having the golden boot there. I think in an era where uh, Messi and Ronaldo dominate all the club awards, it's interesting to kind of see the last two tournaments, one guy, if you had to say one guy has been dominant of individual awards, who else has gotten four individual awards than Griezmann? Yeah, definitely dominant of individual awards, but you know, and I think Griezmann, one of the first guys to tell you that winning these awards is a microcosm of being on a, a good team that allows him to, to shine, right? And I think I, I would say France is France without Griezmann is a better team than Portugal without Ronaldo or Argentina without Messi. And so I, I think, you know, just interesting I did a look at is perhaps Griezmann has more to work with, which allows him to, to, to kind of win these awards. Yeah, I think that's a perspective. The only thing I'd add, though, is think about Brazil. Definitely better without Neymar. Have never won a World Cup with Neymar. Yeah, and they've won a lot of World Cups without Neymar. Yeah, five, actually. <laughs> Um, where do you think it went? Like, if you had to say, like, why Croatia couldn't get it done today, what what would you kind of say about that? So we kind of t- we t- touched on it. They were the second most talented team that played today. They so you know not as talented. They're also not nearly as fast or athletic. And then when you also look into the idea that you run VAR, that didn't help them either. But the another big impact is the fact that they've played like 20, 20 games instead of playing you know four games in the knockout round because of all the extra time they've played. I understand I'm exaggerating a little bit, but simple math is, is tough for me. Uh, they they played a lot of extra time in this in this World Cup, and when you are the less athletic team and you've played a lot more soccer, your your legs are going to run out. And I did think in the second half. They did start to look a, l- a little slower than they were in the in the first half. They picked it back up once they went down by like two goals and were like, "Oh shit, we really got to turn this on." Uh, but I just thought that that did not help them at all. Surprisingly, yeah, I think, surprisingly, I think you're kind of nailing ahead all the reasons. I think that you know, they oh, you, had a good you agree? Showing. You agree that you run VAR? No, I definitely do not run VAR. If anyone runs VAR, it's absolutely you. And, you, and at, in fact, you're just making it look like I run VAR to deflect the blame on you. I see your master strategy. That's I, literally, I literally called but, you uh, out for doing that like last episode or two episodes ago. What? You can't just take my argument against you and then use it against me. That's what I just did. Bullshit. I also think that you're, you know, I told you the way your curse was going to work is that Croatia was going to make the final <laughs> and they were going to really not, you know, hit, get hit pretty badly. You said they were going to get shit pumped. They didn't get shit pumped. They did not meet the definition. Loris, Loris, Loris. I mean, 
they didn't get shit pumped, but they didn't not get shit pumped. That's you know what, what I'll say about that. They almost got shit pumped, but they they did it in a way that they showed they deserve to be there, which is really hard to do. That's a that's a fine line to balance. I, I definitely think the score didn't reflect, you know, that Croatia's heart and how they played in the game. I think France was the deserved winner. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I say this a lot on the pod because I just feel like he gets shit on so much, but you know, Griezmann, we we kind of got off track because we started talking about Griezmann. Griezmann was the official man of the match, but for me, and for Gus Hiddink, by the way, as well, Pogba was the man of the match. I mean, defensively incredible. Before he scored the goal, that laser pass to Mbappe was one of the greatest yeah. passes I've ever seen. I would put it as the second best World Cup pass I've ever seen. Only beaten, and both of the by best passes didn't result. Well, I guess that one kind of resulted in going in, but best pass is still Wesley Schneider to Arjan Robin to give him a one on one with Iker Casillas in the 2010 World Cup. Still the best that, pass I've ever seen. That trailing keeper leg. Yeah, that accidental foot. Harry Kane knows something about that too, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I thought Pogba had a great tournament. You know, yeah, he only had a, one goal, one official goal, but the Good. way that only he one unofficial goal too. The way that he, the passes he made offensively, his decision making. I mean, he had a really, really great tournament, and I'm happy for him because he's a player who I think is unfairly, oftentimes, criticized. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, what, he had that first kind of, one of the first mega purchase deals, and people keep blowing up, oh, he's not performing up to that that price tag uh, with Man United, and he's actually been really good for Man United since, since coming over there. Um, also, my, my question is, does this give you confidence, you know, as a Man United fan for the next season with Pogba, or does this make you concerned that perhaps the way Mourinho likes using Pogba doesn't allow him to play how Pogba should be played. I don't think Mourinho... It gives me excitement. I don't think Mourinho brought in Fred to sit on the bench. I think he brought in Fred to be in a three-person... Kind of like the way France play, but in a three-person midfield with Pogba so Pogba can do exactly what he did for France. Do some defensive stuff, but look at the way Pogba led the counter. I mean, a lot of the yeah. counterattacks, he was leading them, putting balls out, dribbling, putting balls out. I think there's a reason why he brought Fred to Man U to pair with Matic to secure us defensively and give Pogba a little bit of freedom going forward. That makes sense to me. How, do, what do you, how are you feeling about like you know France moving forward? I mean, I think before you know where you're going, you got to look. You know, you got to understand where you've been. And if you think of the last 20 years, France have made three of the last six World Cup finals and two of the last five uh, European Cup finals. So. Last 20 years, you have 11 World Cup and European Cup finals. France have been in five of them. One, two World Cups, one European Cup. Obviously lost in the final against Portugal a couple years ago. They're a young, really talented team. And there are guys who we didn't even see. Lamar. Fakir we saw for like all 12 minutes and he still looked great. Dembele. They have so much talent that we haven't even seen yet. And so I think maybe, you know, I don't know who going to be their next goalie is. And I think that's one of the more... Especially an international tournament, your goalie has to perform really, really well if you want to go far. But overall, I mean, yeah, I feel. I mean, I think France has a. There's no reason why they shouldn't win the 28, uh, 2020 Euro as they stand today. Now, a lot can change in two years, as we've seen, or four years. But um, yeah, I think they have a really good future ahead of them. A better future if they fire Deschamps <laughs> than hire Zidane. I'm still sticking by that. Well, I'm with you there. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I. I I hesitate when when people start talking about those stats about in the last you know six World Cups this that and the other. Uh, it's impressive from a, a federation standpoint that they've been able to consistently achieve to that level. Uh, but when looking at this specific France team, you know that I don't I don't think what they did in two thousand and six or ninety eight is all that indicative. You know that makes sense. Uh, that being said, you did kind of take. One of my tweets, I think it was a tweet replied to you right out of my mouth, where France 100% deserved winners of this game, and we didn't even see, you know, we didn't, we barely saw Fakir. He had a couple sub appearances. We barely saw Lamar. We we saw. I don't I don't even know if we saw Dembele. Maybe one game. Uh, those are three of the more exciting young attacking players in in world soccer right now, and we didn't even get a chance to see them. Uh, oh, what about the guys who weren't like Anthony Martial? Anthony Martial didn't make it. 
exactly. Payet, Payet's not not young, but he's also not actually he's not old. He got hurt. He wasn't able to play. Then you have you know Pavard, who's really young. Thought he was, thought he was a center back. Maybe he's a good fullback. I don't even know anymore. Varane is what 24, 25? He's twenty five, and he is about to enter his the next four years will be the prime of his career. And I think I think this was a you know we talked about Pogba and we've talked about this before, but. Bahrain, that this was a big tournament for him. He was one of the best. He was massive. He went up against some major attacking threats and came out on top every single time. So that that a lot of credit there. Uh, Loris had a really good tournament, uh, except for that one except thing. For that happened holy today. shit, Loris! What were you thinking? That being said, I don't know. I mean, I, I bet you he'll be their starter in two years. Yeah, I'd I'd be shocked if he was their starter in four. But I don't know who's going to back. I don't know who's really backing him up. So that, that's something to watch. Uh, Croatia moving forward. This is one that I, I think is a little interesting. You know, they were one of the oldest star, oldest starting 11s in this tournament. Hell of a ride for these guys. Very very interested to see if this becomes you know a great run of one golden generation, or is this tiny country you know, able to establish themselves as something more than the occasional dark horse? And I think we'll see in the Euro. I mean, I. I think if they make another, you know, because they, they have a couple, yeah, they're starting 11 was old, but on the bench, there are a couple of young guys yeah, I know. ready to go. I mean, you've got, you know, Kovacic, who didn't really play that much, who's, you know, kind of a, a sub for Croatia and Real Madrid because he, you know, has to play wherever <laughs> Modric plays, I guess. Yeah, and then it sucks when your national team's other midfielder is Rakitic, <laughs> and then at your club level it's Modric and fucking Tony Cruz. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're never going to get a game. Sorry, bud. Yeah, and like, oh, maybe you want to switch. Maybe maybe you'll try to be a little more defensive. You've got Casemiro at the club level, and you have Brozovic at the uh, at the international level. And then you have you know they they have Pjaka. I, I I know I'm butchering that one. They've got a couple young guys. Rebic is not not that old. He's an exciting winger who's probably going to move to. To Bayern in the next few years because he's a good player in the Bundesliga. Mm. Hey, that's a great way to win your league, though. Buy <laughs> all your rivals' teams, just buy their best players consistently year in and year out. They're called Bayern for a reason. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, I, Croatia, I think really the fans fell in love with them, just the global fans. I mean, you know, you've been in love with them for a while. Big fan of the Balkans. With the exception of Mario Mandzukic, I really like those guys. Yeah. They were all good sports the entire tournament. Unlike Belgium, who were kind of shitty sports when they lost to France, I'm just that, that is what it is. Yeah. Also, also the uh, the Croatian president was was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, oh man, when she was wearing her, in her jersey, her jersey. Her hug. and then, and then she, was, she even started hugging all the French players as well, getting, getting like 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 the pouring down rain. Unlike Putin, didn't have her own umbrella guy. Uh, it was it was fascinating. Uh, Dude, we, did you see the French president at one point in the game? Like yeah. they were sitting, jumped up, like onto like the yeah. table in front Macron, of their seats, just like Macron went, went full Frenchy right there, and and you got got to give it to him. What I what I what I'm really curious though is so what's more likely? Are those pitch invaders on a KGB hit list, or are they on a train to a Russian gulag? Mm. Both of them are at the zero percent possibility because I'm worried that they're not living as we speak. So they were on a hit list and it was already carried out. Is what you think? No, like I think when they got captured and taken away, oh, five shit. minutes after that, they were killed. Well, I'm hoping that they were able to like. I'm just saying that Vladimir Putin has a history of not being a big fan of the Pussy Riot political group. That's fair. The, uh, to be fair, the Pussy Riot political group not a big fan of Putin, so there's a lot of animosity there. That's a ballsy move on on you know this is putin's big p you know global pr kind of propaganda move hosting this world cup and hosting a successful world cup and tainting his view i gotta give i gotta give them credit that that's a that is a ballsy move you do that knowing there's a chance that you're never going to see your family again that you're either going to go to prison for the rest of your life in a russian shithole or you're dead and i think i think it's kind of important that as amazing as this world cup has been you know this has been a fantastic spectatorship to watch on the field incredible this this kind of reflects what we've been saying about worst world cup ever you know up to this date like the state of shit in russia is not great yeah it's not dope and 
So we, we support the Russian people, not the Russian oligarchy. Yeah, and there's VAR, which sucks too, so. Also, our podcast is probably now on some sort of, like, watch list or something. And not the kind of watch list that gets us more views. Um, but I think that kind of wraps up that. Should we talk about all the uh, individual awards, the yeah. winners? So we got the Golden Ball, which, you know, you guys know goes to the best voted best player of the tournament. Not necessarily any statistical best goal, you know, most goals or anything like that. Uh, Luka Modric of, of Croatia. Donnie, what do you think about this uh, Golden Ball? I think in a World Cup, where we didn't see one player like really rip it, like with six goals, four, you know what I mean? In, in a World Cup where the golden boot guy, like three of his goals were penalties, one was a, you know, accidental flake. The way this Croatian team was able to grind, the way they were always able to fight back, and the way that they were able to, they didn't, dis- they didn't ashamed themselves in this final, and they didn't, and like you said, they showed they deserve to be there. Given how much, you know, their midfield dominated the game and how he's a big part of that. I think he just about deserved to win the golden boot, uh, the golden uh, ball. Yeah. I think there are argue you can make a couple of arguments for some French guys, but at the end of the day, you know, I've had a huge problem with the last two winners in that met, like I had a problem with Messi winning in 2014 be- because he didn't score a goal in the knockout rounds of the world cup. Now Modric didn't score a goal either, but Modric's not a goal scorer. Yeah. The way Messi is. They're the two different games completely. So I had a problem when, with Messi. When Modric scores a goal, uh, it's it's wow, that was impressive or that was incredible. It's not for for Christian to do well. They need Modric to bring his scoring boots. Yeah, no, he he controls the tempo. He controls the he dictates the possession. He dictates the flow. So I don't have an issue with that. And then in 2010, I think West, like as great as Diego Forlan is, this isn't taking away from Diego Forlan. It's just that Wesley Schneider had probably the best tournament I've ever seen a midfield player have in my life. I, Wesley Schneider was on another plant. Yeah, I, I just think, I think uh, while Schneider's game was amazing, Forlan had the absolute spe- spectacular looking goals. And that, that I think is what tilted the vote in his favor. I'm not saying it was justified, but from a, a spectatorship side, I just think maybe not as a parent to the the less soccer educated. Mm. It, it just you know Forland. No, you know, I think long bombs to Forland. No, I think Forland was the second best player of the tournament, and I don't have as big of a problem with that as I did with the Messi yeah. golden ball. But interesting trend: the golden ball is actually the worst prize you can win in yeah. soccer yeah. because yeah. the last six winners all lost in the World Cup finals. <laughs> Yeah, we got Messi losing to Germany. We've got uh, oh, wow, I, that Forland, Forland slash Schneider, Schneider losing. Okay, because well, I'll say Forland didn't lose in the final, but Schneider. But he didn't win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, he lost in the semis, and then Schneider lost to Spain. What we, and then we have oh Zidane losing <laughs> to Italy. Zidane getting the red card and then losing to Italy. <laughs> Uh, Oliver Kahn, the goalie for uh, Germany, got, they kind of got shit-pumped by Brazil, too, in that final. And then 98, they, they, when the French drugged Ronaldo before the final, and then France won. So, interesting trend. Um, but, you know, I think Modric just did, did deserve it. I think he did enough to deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I think there are arguments, you know, like you said, arguments to be made. Pogba had a, had a fantastic tournament. You could Conte even, had you, a fantastic you, tournament. I think Conte lost his... Uh, his 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 claim for it when he got subbed out sixty minutes into the the final, you know I think I think that just kind of hurt hurts the perception and this is a perception based award. You could have even made a, a a case from Bappe, but I think the fact that he had young player of the tournament wrapped up meant that this that that golden ball was going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, now. I th- I don't think that should be a rule in the future. I think if the best player happens to be best no, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a team, rule. You I should just... also get it. But I, I no, I think that played a part in their thinking yeah. though. Yeah. Which I think we're going to talk about with the silver ball because of all the awards. This is the one that I think is the most for me. I, I, I disagree with it completely. The other ones I'm more or less okay with. This one I really disagree with. Eden Hazard won the silver ball. Yeah, I think this was also a very the sil- the ball is a is a perception based award and. Hazard had a fantastic tournament. He really did. 
Didn't score a single goal in the knockout rounds. My, Both of his goals came in. Two of his three goals came in a shit pumping. The other came in a pointless third place game. My my, my it had two assists. My argument is, I think Modric one hundred percent deserved to win the golden ball. I think the silver ball has to go to one of those other three players that beat him in the final, who also absolutely deserved. It would have been a deserved winner of the golden ball. I see. Yeah, I, I see your point, and I think I think I would use the points you made to back up my claim. But like, how is it that Pogba, Conte, Mbappe, or even Griezmann aren't the aren't the silver ball? More, and any more though than that, I, Hazard wasn't the best player in his position at the tournament, or in my opinion, on his own team. I thought Lukaku was better than Hazard was overall, and. Yeah. I think if, you look I, at his, if you look at his position of an attacking midfielder, okay, let's talk about Mbappe and Griezmann, who both had better yeah, tournaments yeah. than uh, I think, Hazard. I think there's a better argument against you that you, you could argue that Hazard was, was better this tournament than Lukaku. I think that's that, – depending on, on how you view the game, there's a 50-50 that you, you could claim. I 100% back you up, though, on the fact that Mbappe and Griezmann had better tournaments than Hazard. And uh, speaking of Griezmann, he is our bronze ball winner. So the third best player of the tournament. Yeah, four and goals. Like we, three, from, three from the spot and then one from an absolute howler from Musilera of, of Uruguay. But two clutch assists all three to Varane and, and, and to Umtiti. And all three of his goals came in the knockout rounds, which was different from a lot of the other guys. I, I think there's something to be said. I think a goal in the knockout round is worth more than a goal in the group stage. I think... Yeah. Not all goal has equal weight in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, there is a there's a level of importance, and you know, even goals within the not in the, in the group stage have different levels of importance, but they, they should all count the same for this. When you get when you get into the uh, the knockout rounds, oh, those mean more. Yeah. Um, so platinum boot. Oh yeah. So when we get for the top four score, first of all, platinum boot, Eric. If I was there with you, I'd shake your hand. Congratulations. Hey, you're hell, hell, hell of a job, sir. Hell of a job. Yeah. Own goal. 12 platinum boot with 12 goals. I'm going to get us a little trophy. Oh, yeah. It's going to it's gonna go right next to our Nigeria own goal jerseys. Yeah. Well, uh, you can text us about a picture of those. <laughs> All we need is and office then, space one day. And then a silver boot is, goes to uh, Griezmann. Well, you who, skipped the golden boot, my friend. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry that I skipped the least deserving golden it boot. Was such, it was such an unmemorable and unspectacular golden boot. Like, it wouldn't have surprised me if you planned to skip golden boot, but I know you accidentally did because Harry Kane's six goals, three from the penalty spot, only one of which he earned himself, uh, two headers, which were good, but I thought Harry Maguire did a great job of, of getting those to him. Uh, then the accidental deflection that he literally was like probably thinking about some steak and kidney pie or something, and the ball just <laughs> hit his heel. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, credit for making all of your penalties. Best penalty, okay. best penalty kick taker uh, of the tournament, I think. What about Griezmann? Uh, well, Griezmann had two PKs and Kane had three PKs, so. No, Griezmann had three PKs. Griezmann had three goals, but two PKs, I thought. Oh, four goals. Griezmann had four goals, three PKs. Whoopsies! We did just go over those exact stats. But, but, Harry Kane had a shootout PK, and Griezmann never had the opportunity for a shootout PK. Yeah, shootout PKs are much more intense. I'm gonna And being an Englishman and the <laughs> whole pressure, I'm still riding with uh, Harry Kane, best PK taker of the, of the World Cup. We know for sure Messi does not win best PK taker of the World Cup. But neither does neither does Ronaldo. So, so then, uh, yeah, Griezmann. So yeah, Harry Kane, six goals, zero assists, Golden Boot winner, uh, Silver Boot winner is Griezmann, four goals, two assists. We already mentioned how he's has an insane amount of individual awards at these last two yeah. big international tournaments. And then uh, Romelu Lukaku with the bronze boot, four goals and an assist. Most open play goals in the tournament, though. That's yeah, that's definitely impressive. Uh, best goal or best minute to goal ratio, my boy Denis Shirashev of Russia. Two of his goal, two of his four goals were absolutely spectacular as well. And fucking he, rocket launchers. He he played uh, seventy six minutes per goal. Yeah, that's actually a stat that I had to like <laughs> look. I had to like drag through the FIFA statistics to find us that because I, I thought it was important. He well, he didn't start their first game, and then he also lo- he got subbed out when they uh, took that red card against uh, Uruguay. 
and to make some defensive substitutions. So yeah, he he wasn't playing with as many minutes, but had a fantastic tournament. Uh, Golden Gloves went to Courtois. I think you can't give it to Subasic. Yeah. Or, or uh, Larissa and Subasic kind of fucked themselves over, uh, and then you know what? I, I'm not. I'm not. I have no issue with Courtois winning it. He made some great saves. He made, you know, I think he had the most saves of the tournament. But I would also entertain the argument that Pickford could have won this as well. The fact that yeah. Belgium beat England, meaning Courtois let up less goals than Pickford did in that game, I think is is the deciding factor. If England had beaten Belgium, I would have I would have been I would have thought Pickford would have won it. Yeah, and I think uh, some a lot of people are calling for. Uh uh Schmeichel to be the uh win the Golden Gloves, but like it's just it's hard to give the Golden Gloves to someone who, who only made it to the round of sixteen. Yeah. I thought Schmeichel had a fantastic tournament. Absolutely. But I think with all of these individual awards, you can't win them unless your team helps you out. Like you you know, your you, your team has to do well. And even you know, Schmeichel may have been the best goalie at this tournament. We didn't see enough of him just to make that that claim, yeah. Uh, young in the discussion here. Young player the of the tournament, killing Mbappe. Uh, Mbappe, I've, the cheetah. I've said it, the baby cheetah raised by the gazelle. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, you'll know what that means. I've said it. I think maybe our, our first or second episode. I think that Kylian Mbappe will be the next first time Ballon d'Or d'Or winner. Uh, yeah. yeah. Messi and Ronaldo have been going back and forth with that one. They'll probably split it another two, three years. But then I think Mbappe is going to, you know, move aside Neymar. You, you, you're old news to me. Neymar, you're not that good and you dive a lot and nobody likes you. Still an anti-Neymar podcast. Always an anti-Neymar podcast. My, my biggest nightmare now moving forward on an individual player level is that Mbappe mirrors Neymar's bullshit antics and tactics i'm hopeful that seeing how how much like the soccer community in the world is making fun of neymar mbappe will see that and and will avoid doing it because he did have he did have one really bad dive a few rounds ago but i think hopefully it was a one-off yeah everyone gets one but then after that i judge you yeah and honestly we still judge you for that one but we'll we'll move we'll, we'll put it aside I'll, I'll, I'm willing to move on. It's like it's like with women; like they can cheat on me once, but once they cheat on me the second time, I'm, my feelings are really hurt. <laughs> uh, so, last award is the Fair Play Award. Congratulations, Spain! You left this World Cup with something. Does that just mean they have they they had the least amount of yellow cards? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the least amount of yellows and reds. Which so, ironic because Sergio Ramos <laughs> plays for Spain and they got the literally, <laughs> literally the master of the dark arts. Like, yeah, Sergio Ramos. Doesn't it also skew in the favor of a team that doesn't necessarily make it that far? I, I don't know. I, the, it, it can't just be total number of yellow cards because... Is it yellow cards per game right I'd have now? To, I'd have to imagine that like Japan or, or somebody that plays clean but didn't play... That didn't play out that. I mean, I guess I guess Japan played the same number of games as Spain did, didn't they? Um, yeah. Man, shouts out to Japan. I loved watching this World Cup. You know who I did? Yeah, you know who I did? The, the, the <laughs> Japanese did players are probably still there cleaning up the stadium for the Russians because they're so freaking nice and courteous. Yeah, I enjoyed watching Japan. You know who I didn't enjoy watching? Spain. Maybe care less about fair play and actually play attacking soccer, not possession soccer, attacking soccer. Yeah, Spain, grow up. I'm tired of you. <laughs> All right, looking ahead, looking ahead to the uh, Euro 2018. So, like, just list out four favorites. Like, one of these four teams will win the Euro 2018. Who do you think it is? It's going to be France. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be made fun of for saying this, but Germany. No, I actually, <laughs> I actually agree. This was a one-off. I mean, Germany makes the semifinals of every tournament at least. So, yeah, I expect Germany to be, that, be back in form. Uh, those are, I think, the, the two big ones. My my next two, I think are going to. I think Belgium, the third one. Uh, Belgium is my third and one. I have a dark horse. Who you got? Italy. Ooh, I like that. Not a dark horse because like they're obviously not a small and significant soccer country, but they failed to qualify for the World Cup. 
I think that's going to kick some shit into gear. They, Italy honestly should fire Mancini right now, even though they just hired him, and they should bring in Antonio Conte. I'm gonna, I actually have one very similar to Italy. Netherlands. Netherlands. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll tell you this right now. If you're English, like from England and listening to the podcast, England has no chance because <laughs> the expectations from this World Cup I've already doomed them. They're already lost in the quarterfinals to penalties. It's already happened. But if you if you're England, don't you want them to kind of flare out on the Euros so that the World Cup, which is what matters even more, they'll have that that shitty performance in the in the Euro to bolster them to a good performance in the World Cup 2022. Oh, uh, so like go back like, to it's like, it's like I think, building I think up what karma. they really want is for England to like consistently be good. But like that that can't happen. Can no, it's it, it? it? I don't know though. Like, Gareth Southgate did a really Donnie, good job. Is he coming home? Uh, listen. <laughs> oh man, it, only England can set themselves so up so much for misery. As soon as they started saying it's coming home, like you knew it was never going to. But come that's home. when you started believing. Did I ever start believing? You did start believing. I never started believing that England was going to win. When did I ever? say it. I always told you that England no. was going to find a way to break my heart and I was consistent about that. But you also you also started questioning it. I mean, I, I can't say that like there wasn't like a part of me that wanted to believe. I definitely had more hope than I've ever had before, but I never like actually allowed myself to think of the idea of England winning in the World Cup. I and never entertained that. You, but you, you started holding that pipe dream a little more. It went from a 0% to a 1% chance throughout the tournament. I'll give you that. Yeah. At the start of the tournament, it was 0. And in the semifinal against Croatia, there was a 1% chance. And then Trippier scored. And then they the scored way too early, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now we're going to do the second rendition of our newest uh, segment, the name association game. I think I gave you names first yeah, last so time, Yeah, right? so I'll go first this time. Okay. Leroy Sané. Laughing. Mauron Fellaini. Icon. Josh Sargent. Uh, goal fire crotch. Killian Mbappe. Super Cheetah. Chitara. Didier Deschamps. Fired. <laughs> Alright, those are my five. Alright, ready? Landon Donovan. Traitor. Seth Blatter. Corrupt racketeer. Rafa Marquez. 80 years old. Major League Soccer. Should be feeder for Europe. Frank Ribery. Penchant for underage prostitutes. <laughs> I feel like you set me up on that last one. <laughs> I was really hoping with Rafa Marquez you were going to mention the oh. drug traffic. Oh, yeah, the drug traffic. <laughs> my, my dream scenario was that when I said Rafa Marquez, you would say Pablo Escobar. <laughs> For those that don't know about the Frank Ribery stuff, uh, a few years back, he was caught with prostitutes who ended up being underage. Allegedly. Allegedly, and also like... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure like it went to court and they both hit plea deals. Yeah. And, like, you gotta admit, dude, French has a pretty low threshold for underage as it is, so, like, god damn. Yeah. yeah. That's, almost, that's almost reaching Alabama levels of just disgusting. All right. Before we get to uh, our, our mail segment, Donnie has a, a mailbag from a douchebag. Yeah, this is my question for Eric. You have to give an answer. None of your bull... You like to bullshit and cop out a lot of your answers. It's a one-name answer, and you have to Fuck give an answer. you. When do I cop out my answers? You're gonna find, you're, you'll see when I ask the question. You have to give me one name as an answer. Okay. Greatest soccer player of all time. <laughs> That's a bullshit question. It's not. Just name. You can have an opinion. Just give me one name. I don't understand the question. I reject, <laughs> the, I, I reject the premise. You know, two seconds ago when you said, when do I cop out? Literally only on this question. Answer the question. I have historically been against trying to compare people cross generation. It, the game was I'm so different. I'm not asking you to compare. I'm saying, in your opinion, who's the best? You don't have to justify right, it to me. Just give me a name. Who? 
Cruyff. That's a great answer. Half our listeners are like, who the fuck is Cruyff? Yeah, YouTube, you're on Cruyff in your free time. I just, ha- I just wanted to know what you would say if you had to pick one thing. I think that's a great answer. You shouldn't be so ashamed of it. My second, my your- second choice is obviously Gignac. <laughs> Nobody knows who that is. Maybe there's one French guy listening to this podcast who knows, but he's probably too fucking drunk. All right. Do you have a question for me? Or no, I don't. No, because you just... Hey, well, who, who's, who's your all-time greatest? Best? Brazilian Ronaldo. Okay. Oh, Fat Ronaldo. But I think Brazilian Ronaldo... It's hard... Brazilian Ronaldo, to me, greatest player I've ever seen play. But my second choice was Cruyff. Okay. Oh, I, I thought Best was going to be in there. Or, 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 or Sir Bobby Charles. Mean, best would, would be my choice if the question was most naturally talented. But yeah. those guys were able to perform for their country, and Best was from Northern Ireland, so that pretty much doomed that. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to uh, Mailbag for, for Douchebags, also known as it's Mail Time. I hope Blue's Clues sues us and just puts me out of my misery. Yeah, Donnie, will you represent me? I'm in a spot of legal trouble. Our <laughs> uh, first question, I think, is from uh, Pablo. Are we seeing a lull in soccer around the world? If we look at this World Cup versus the last four World Cups, it seems maybe the level of play across the board has dropped a bit. Takes, for instance, this World Cup, which was missing several key soccer powers. Some failed to qualify and some failed to make the elimination round. Regardless of who wins this World Cup, I would not put that team up to win against Germany in 2014, Spain in 2010, Italy in 26, and Brazil in 2002. Seems like this World Cup has missed that level of play to some extent. Man, Pablo, I, I, I feel like I owe you an apology because your last question last episode about Mexico, I just completely disagreed with you and, and didn't hold anything back. And once again, I completely disagree with you. Let me first say, I thank you for being an avid listener and participating in the podcast. That being said, I, I think you're looking at this the wrong way. I think the fact that several key nations failed to qualify – um, and I, I'm mainly looking at Chile and South America and Italy and the Netherlands and Europe. You know, they weren't able to qualify because countries like Peru really stepped up their game and countries like Iceland and, you know, Serbia and, and just, you know, Sweden really, really in Denmark picked it up on their end. I think you're actually seeing the world get better than, you're, than you are. It, it, it's maybe some of the you know, six or seven dominant powers aren't as dominant anymore. You're seeing every tournament we have two or three dominant teams and then those next kind of four teams that are really good don't have as big a leg up on the up-and-coming teams. Um, I more or less do agree with Eric. I think other teams have caught up and I think as time passes, the best club teams which are in Europe... Can, their global scouting has improved with the advent of technology, with how quick we can travel around the world. You know what I mean? With all of that, I think... They call it a global community. Yeah, the global community has gotten more... Global. Global. <laughs> <laughs> but your point is that you didn't say no matter who won the World Cup wouldn't beat the teams you mentioned. And I disagree with you, and I'll bring up this point. When we first started our episode, the reason I had France over Germany is because France beat Germany in the 2016 Euros, which was more or less France, the Germany France team that pretty won the World much Cup. beat the 2014 Germany team, maybe outside of Philip Lom, right? Yeah. Or Schweine. You know what I mean? So we saw yeah. France beat that team. Um, I think the Spain in 2010, Spain was like, Spain, yes, the 2008, 2010, 2012 run by Spain was incredible. But if you look at that game, that game was a, was Iger Casillas' foot away from going to the Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one team I will say is a little bit better than the rest is the 2002 Brazil team. That team's really good. We had Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo. That team was absurdly talented, but every country kind of has those moments where they have those absurdly talented players. It just happens that like some of those players were just phenomenal. Like I said, Ronaldo, I think, is the greatest player of all time for me. Yeah. Uh, and also, kind of touching on that, where you talked about some, failed, some you know, quality big teams failed to you know, make the elimination round after qualifying or they went out pretty early. That's where I'm saying you've got these these teams that make the tournament but aren't, you know, a perennial powerhouse realize, hey, this is like we now know how to play against guys that have one or two stars. 
and were able to to kind of knock them out. I, I just think you're seeing the quality of soccer worldwide raised up multi, multitudes of level, and that is that, that puts your your top five, ten teams at a disadvantage. Yeah, I, I think the other teams are just catching up. So, second question: Are you ready to to declare this era? This is the era of European dominance, spanning back to '94. The length of seven World Cups. A non-European country has only won the World Cup one time. That being uh, twenty or oh two Brazil. In the last twenty years, it seems harder and harder for Latin American countries to make the final four. Does this trend have any end in sight? No. The the European countries are. I mean, also the entire semifinal was all European countries. The European countries, with how important the European leagues are for yeah. player talent and having the best leagues, those guys are in their backyard. All the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the European players are in the backyard of the best clubs. Who and it's the club teams at the end of the day that really make the players better more so than the national team in terms of individual talent. And like, like so, you know, obviously. Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina do a great job of getting you know young their young guys over to those developmental leagues in Europe. You know that that's no doubt. But you know those are their three competitive teams you know, in the Latin American world. Whereas you have ten really competitive European teams because countries like Belgium, countries like you know just all you know Croatia for example. You know, they're able to really easily get their their youth players over to Italy, to Spain, to England, and, and just you have you know it's harder for like Peru to start sending a lot of youth guys over to Europe because those clubs need to scout them and find them and, and bring them on. So I think I don't see an insight as well. Um, definitely, I think we're ready to declare this the era of European dominance. I think I think I would have been ready to declare that eight years ago. I would have declared it for me when a European team won on South American soil with the 2014 Brazil win. When Brazil got ship pumped seven at home, at home, yeah, at home to Germany. I, yeah, uh, I don't see an end in sight anytime soon. So great questions, Pablo. We appreciate them. Yeah. Last question is from uh, Taylor Levesque. Thoughts on Juan Carlos Osorio to the U.S. Men's National Team? Gates. So. I I like the guy as a manager of a team that I have no kind of investment for or against. You know, he's an interesting guy. I don't want an ex-Mexico national team coach coaching the United States. I think – I also think we could get – I mean, I, I would like to see go after a better coach, you know. When Deschamps gets fired after winning the World Cup, I would love for us to, to bring in Didier Deschamps. Or what if we brought Zidane? Oh, what if we brought Antonio Conte? Yeah, I mean, I it wouldn't be a move that I would be like, oh my god, we've ruined our country. Like with Bruce Arena, I it was would, like going to kill myself. They, we are we we are going to hire a much worse coach than Juan Carlos Osorio. We're going to oh, hire Caleb no Porter. We're going to hire some MLS lifer. We're going to hire Caleb Porter, baby. Yeah, Caleb Porter, Peter Vermees. You know, one of one of those guys who. Let's Listen. Be- by the way, I have to say this: if they're gonna, if they want to hire someone raised domestically, look at Kevin Hudson at the SMU head coach. Man, that guy is really doing some good things at SMU, getting lots of players drafted into the MLS. Donnie, that's what this no. is like Kevin Hudson plug. We need SMU to keep our boy Kevin Hudson because I like where our program is right now. Only if Kevin Hudson will agree to give my brother a uh, full scholarship. <laughs> oh, shout out to my brother by the way! Huge tournament in New York. It's a, it's a college scout tournament. Lots of teams from around the country there. In New York City, my brother's team uh, won the tournament. Oh, hell yeah. So shout out to my brother, who doesn't listen to this podcast. Shout out to Donnie's brother. All we want is you to listen to our podcast once. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just Juan Carlos is already, we know what we're going to get, and we're not going to get what I want. So you know what a lot of like, the Mexican press really dislikes about Osorio? The fact that he tinkers. Colombian? The fact that he tinkers with his lineup a lot and moves things around. And plays players out of position, and that's the exact same thing that U.S. soccer revolted against Jurgen Klinsmann on. Wrongfully. So, like, you know what? If we did hire Osorio, I would feel bad for him because we know where that's going to end in four to eight years. 
Yeah, he's going to do a really good job in the World Cup, and he's going to have two bad games in qualifying, and Dude, we're going to hire... And then we'll hire... Bruce, Bruce. No, then we'll actually hire Bruce Arena again. If we hire... If Bruce Arena gets hired for a third time... I'm moving. I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to fucking Canada, maybe Australia. Maybe... Don't, okay, don't go to Canada. Canada will never be the yeah, World Cup. No, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe somewhere in the Balkans will take me in. Yeah, probably after listening to the podcast of you gaggling on the Croatian dick. I heard, or crack cock, as it's known as. I've heard Croatia is really beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's because they stole the entire coastline from Bosnia. Look at a map. It's just like, what did Bosnia do wrong to get no coast? Like, that boundary makes no sense. <laughs> but uh, this has been way too long of an episode, I'm sure. Yeah, um, you know, we try to keep it short because we only have one game to talk about. Clearly, we're not good at that. Just before we, we sign off, we're going to take a few weeks off. Donnie's got to pass the bar. So, prayers up for, for our boy, Dimas. But when we come back, we'll, we'll hit you guys up with a European co- or, you know, competition league preview. Talk about any big you know, transfers and kind of set the stage for teams and storylines we're interested in following as we as we move forward through through club competition uh, it's- uh, as always please subscribe rate the podcast if you have time write a friendly review or text me the negative reviews eric can't take it he's too sensitive yeah def- definitely don't text me those negative reviews just put them on our on our facebook post for everybody to see uh, also thanks for for you know sticking with us through this world cup it's been an amazing ride the worst part of every World Cup is the very end when your team hasn't won it, and now you have to wait four more years to get to the next one. Uh, but you know, hopefully, sticking together, we'll be able to get through it. But I think the really good news is in four more years, you have you can look forward to the worst. World, like you thought this was the worst World Cup ever. Uh uh-uh, uh Let's make the World Cup in December and let's add slavery. Yeah, it, we are. We're still, we're, I'm sure keep we're it. still an anti-slavery uh, podcast. So just remember, anti-Neymar anti-slavery, anti-VAR. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I think this is our best signing out. We'll see you all in a couple weeks.